Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Two more hours to go on Wes and Walker, which means there's two more hours to go in the NBA trade deadline. As soon as we hopped on the mic, trades were coming in and they were coming in galore. Big time. Colin got mad at us because of it, because there were really not a whole lot of trades coming in from 10 to 12 during his show on Charlotte Sports Today. And the last one we gave a breaking news soundbite for, it included the Hornets. They traded Jalen McDaniels to Philadelphia in a three-team trade. They got back in return. Multiple second round picks. I don't know how many yet. We just know multiple second round picks. And they also got back Sfi Mikhailu. And we'll see what they do with Mikhailu. 704-570-9610. Feel free to text in the Garage Door Guru text line. In the meantime, we'll go to the Body Works Plus guest hotline. It's been a while. But now we welcome Lockdown Hornets' very own and also every Hornets box score substack creator, Doug Branson, to the show. Doug, can you tell me why they traded Jalen, man? And also, are you ready to console me the next time we do a pod? Well, I think they did something. They uh, did. They did tra- <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, they, they finally got involved in, in this trade deadline period. Why did they trade Jalen? I think Jalen was a commodity that some that other teams wanted. I mean, you, you, you can only trade the players that other teams want to trade for. Uh, and we had seen rumors that Jalen uh, had drawn some interest from some other teams like the Suns and the Jazz, but both of those teams have already done their deals. And so he gets involved in this other deal that involved Matisse Seibel, who we also knew uh, was rumored to be on the move. It definitely makes your team worse. I mean, if that was, if that was the goal, I, I think this accomplishes that because uh, McDaniels is somebody that was contributing on both ends of the floor for the Hornets, maybe not as consistently, I think, as some people would have liked to see him do, especially with his three-point shot. But he certainly made this team better, and especially when they were injured. Uh, they counted on McDaniels to come in and contribute on the starting lineup, and he was able to do that here and there. Uh, so th- this does make them worse, and, and we'll see if this is you know the, the first in a number of deals that they do or you know if this ends up being the last deal. Well, and, and the thing is, we had been talking about do something for a while now. It became the slogan of Locked On Hornets, and it really became the slogan of Hornets fans everywhere, and I get that. This was always the risk for me. I know we value Jalen McDaniels differently, but mm-hmm. you and I both – agreed that it probably would be something more than multiple second round picks. Like I, for me, Doug, I, I can't get on board with the value, right? Like it's not like I wanted to hold on to Jalen McDaniels for dear life, but multiple second round picks and a guy that wasn't even breaking the rotation for an Eastern conference play in team. I just can't get on board with that value. What do you make of the return coming back for Jalen? Well, I honestly, I didn't see any chance of him going for a first round pick. I mean, I don't, I don't think that the Hornets have a player on their roster right now that they would be willing to trade for that would generate a first-round pick. So I thought it was always going to be multiple mm. second-round picks, and it was going to be whether whether you were okay with taking that back to, to make your team worse. And look, I mean, Jalen McDaniels is somebody that was a, what, a 52nd overall pick, a, a deep second-rounder, and you've turned that into two future second-rounders that you may or may not actually pick. That You know, I think... Kyle Newbeck uh, with the Philly Voice is reporting that it's a 2029 20, second rounder from Portland and a 2024 20, second round pick from New York. So that 29 pick, I mean, who knows what's going to come from that? 
but but you flip a second rounder that you developed into a player that I think the ceiling was quickly approaching on. Uh, you flip that for two second rounders. So like I'm not I'm not like crazy disappointed with that transaction. I just think it it it, it needs to be the first transaction. It can't be the only transaction they make. Then I would be a little bit disappointed. Yeah. Doug, West Bryant here, and the question that I've been asking as well is, what is it that Hornets Nation is seeking out of the trade deadline? What are the main things that you would want to see? Like, what's the main objective of this whole deal of today? What What do you want to come out of this? Yeah, I think you would want to have some clarity as to the franchise's direction, right? I mean, I think we came into this season a little bit confused about what the overall goals on the season were. And then that picture got cloudier and cloudier uh, as the injuries started to pile up. But it's been evident uh, for a long time that, that this team uh, was not going to be even close to competing even for a fringe play-in spot, which is super easy uh, to compete for these days and easier than it was even last season in the Eastern Conference. But they, they are not anywhere close. And even as they've gotten healthier, uh, you, you've seen the wheels start to uh, get loose. They haven't fallen all the way off, but they're they're pretty loose at this point. And so I think fans want to see this this franchise come to terms with that and, and move it in a direction that could possibly land them a, a generational talent in Victor Webinyama in this upcoming draft, or even a a very good pick in Scoot Henderson. I mean, this is a deep draft, and and I think fans want to see the, the the franchise come to terms with that. Doug, who is the Hornet that you are most surprised that has not been traded yet? Well, I think Mason Plumley is the name that, that has been bandied around the most. And, and I think it makes the most sense for uh, multiple teams. Uh, Sacramento needs a backup big. They're, they are desperate to finally compete in, in a playoff series. Uh, so I, I think they would look at him. Boston missed out on their big. Uh, they were looking to trade for Jakob Pertl. Pertl goes back uh, to Toronto. So I think the Celtics could still be in play for a backup big. And, and Mason uh, really has raised the level of his game. But, but I think with a lot of these players, whether it's Mason Plumley, Kelly Oubre, Jalen McDaniels, or others, I, I feel like they're all sort of backup plans. <laughs> so, so like teams are going to have to go through their motions and see who they can target and see who they can get. And then they'll fall back you know, all right, we couldn't we couldn't land our first or second option at the big position. So there's Mason Plumley. He's playing well. He's moving the basketball well. He's finishing well. The big question around Mason, of course, is like how much of that is playing with Lamelo Ball? Because if you look at you know when Mason plays with Lamelo, he's like his uh, true shooting, his effective field goal percentages are all like 13 or 14 percent higher than when he's not playing with them. Uh, so you know he's been playing with the starters. What happens when you trade for Mason? And then you put them with a second unit that doesn't feature a playmaker and, and somebody who draws defenses like LaMelo Ball. I think that's what, what teams would be concerned with. But, but I think, you know, Mason is the name that still makes the most sense in, in all of these trade discussions. Doug Branson of Locked On Hornets, also everyhornetsboxscore.com. He joins us now on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. I got some text from the Garage Door Guru text line, Doug. People are saying they traded Jalen McDaniels because JT Thor could possibly get more playing time. So one, I'll ask, do you think there is going to be another Hornet that is shipped out somewhere else? And what kind of rotation do you expect to see the rest of the season? Does this kind of indicate that, all right, McGowan's, JT Thor, Kai Jones, your time is up? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think regardless of whether they can actually get some of these deals done, because remember, you know, Mason Plumley 
uh, you you can remove him from the books next season. Same with Kelly Oubre. So if you if you want to be worse next season, you you have options to do that that are outside the trade deadline. It's really just about you know can you get some value for those players uh, you know it, from teams that are looking to compete in the second half of this season. Uh, so I think even if they don't make these moves, there should be a concerted effort to move uh, some of these veterans to lesser roles or to no roles altogether and start to put the focus on these players that they have been slowly developing. And, and look, players like Thor and McGowan's have all gotten opportunities this season. And even James Booknight and Kai Jones, who are playing in the G League right now, they've all gotten opportunities because of the injuries. But they've been, opportun- they've been auditions, and, and I think it's really time to say, all right, this is your role now. It's, it's not really going to change. Let's see what you do with that remaining time and uh, to see what they have and what they don't have because they've got some decisions to make around some of these picks that they've made over the past couple of seasons and who they want to move forward with and who they don't. And, and so they need to have the clearest picture possible, and that's, that's got to involve playing time at some point. Doug, how should Hornets feel if Hornets fans feel if nothing happens after this deal? Well, I mean, I think they're going to feel disappointed. There's no doubt about that. I mean, they, they're going. To, I think they're going to feel worried because, look, Kelly Oubre is, is set to return at some point. Like he's he's getting healthier. Cody Martin uh, will may return. Uh, you know, he's obviously very frustrated not to be on the floor. This was. Uh, supposed to be a big season for him, signing the contract. He wanted to play every game this season. That obviously has not happened. Uh, so he desperately wants to get back. So if both of those players return, there is still a danger, even with shipping uh, Jalen McDaniels off, that this team could perform better in this final stretch and work themselves out of uh, not only the, the best odds at the number one pick, uh, but even the best odds at a you know one of the four top picks, which I think even down to the fourth pick would still be a very good player that you're bringing back in this upcoming draft. So I think fans would be worried that, you know, Steve Clifford, very competitive coach, is focused on winning. A lot of these guys have a lot of pride. LaMelo Ball, Terry Rozier, they want to win. They're competitive players. And if, if Kelly comes back, if Cody comes back, this is a team that could, you know, competing teams are going to rest their players against the Hornets. They'll have an opportunity to sneak up on some of these teams and play spoiler every once in a while. And, and the margin between, you know, first and fifth in terms of that, uh, you know, pick uh, situation is, is very thin at this point. So I, I think fans will be worried. Shout out to uh, Hooray Bacon on Twitter, by the way, who asked how are the Hornets going to use Fee Mila Kunis is how he pronounced it. So we'll give you that breakdown yep. a little bit <laughs> later on in the show. I did want to ask you about P.J. Washington as well. I think a lot of people are kind of hypothesizing now with Jalen uh, McDaniel's absence that they could be extending PJ because of this move, right? So we don't know what's going to happen with Miles Bridges. Jalen McDaniels now traded away to Philadelphia. Does this all point into the direction of PJ Washington being here long-term? It feels like it. I mean, they have to, I think, you know, they had a couple of options in terms of which direction they wanted to go with, you know, the, the forward position and, and not that they had a glut of options, but, but, you know, you had Jalen who, if you kept him, you would be in the driver's seat to extend him. Uh, so, yeah, they've got some choices to make. I, I think it, you know, does point in that direction. Although, you know, we know that PJ was uh, before this season when they were talking about early extension, demanding, or according to the reports, was demanding a little bit more than the Hornets were willing to pay when it came to early extension time. Does that change uh, when when they actually have to decide whether or not to keep him or not? We'll see. And you you mentioned, I think, the thing that the the sort of sits 
over this whole trade deadline is the future of Miles Bridges with this organization. It's still a huge mystery. We don't know. And but the organization is certainly operating with this trade deadline with that in mind. Uh, so I, I think, you know, d- down the road, we're not really going to know exactly the motivations of this trade deadline, probably until next season. Doug, does the, the lack of movement, does it say anything about the talent on this Hornets roster as far as have we overvalued some guys, especially like a Terry Rozier, who has been mentioned in trade scenarios pretty much since the beginning of the season? Does it say that the Hornets roster isn't as talented as we thought as far as just overvaluing some guys, the fact that they haven't been traded traded for or coveted? Oh, no, I don't think so, because I, I think that Mason, both Mason Plumley and Kelly Oubre have played themselves into consideration from some of these teams. I mean, uh, there have been Hornets uh, teams in the past that have had you know, generally no one that anyone was interested in trading for. So even the opportunity to trade a guy like Jalen or Mason or Kelly, I think, speaks to both their individual dedication to getting better and playing better and, and having the opportunity to do so because of some of the injuries and uh, the, the organization's ability to, to help develop Jalen McDaniels. You know, I think just getting, getting them traded at all, getting a deal done at all, I think is you know, there are not many deals that happen over this trade deadline, you know, just in, in volume. So getting a deal done at all, I think, is a testament to the, the work that, that Jalen has put in individually and the organization has put in with them. But, yeah, I, I think that, uh, you know, I don't think we're overvaluing the players. I think they've played extremely well, again, considering the circumstances, with the injury and the team not playing well in general, uh, I think it's it's impressive that these names are even coming up at all. That's Doug Branson from Lockdown Hornets, also every Hornets box score, joining us on the Body Works Plus guest hotline. By the way, not only can you listen to us talk about this, uh, you're going to be doing something a little bit later on the YouTube channel, right, Doug? Are you going to be happy, Doug, or sad, Doug? Because I got a roller coaster version of you earlier this morning. I'm going to be contemplative, Doug. I think I'm going to be I'm going to be lighting incense. I've got a shrine okay. set up with Bob Bass's picture on it. Uh, I'm just going to be hoping that there is more news. That this isn't the only news because we've been down this road before, where where the Hornets trade for Sheldon Mack and we all go, wait a minute, this this can't be it. There's got to be more to this story, and and there's not more to this story. So. Uh, we'll, we'll have to wait and see if, if this is the end. All right, that's Doug Branson joining us here on Wesson Walker. We appreciate it, man. Thanks again. All right, thanks, guys. I love that about NBA Twitter. Anytime a deal happens, everybody feels like they're Sherlock Holmes and they feel like they're on the scent of something different. Everybody says, hey, they're not done. Watch out. This team's going to do something different. And then all of a sudden, Charlotte trades for Shelvin Mack or they acquire Shelvin Mack and they're like, oh, no, this is this is it, guys. Like, <laughs> this, is, this is what we got. Brad, Brad Wanamaker, uh, you, you wanted to do something different. Now this is what we do. Yeah, it, here's, here's how we can make it make sense a little bit. It's, and then we'll go to break. If you have second round picks in exchange for Jalen McDaniels and you want to use that package to move up in a very deep NBA draft from a second round perspective, because you have accumulated so many of those assets. Okay. I can make it make sense. If there's somebody you value in the twenties or something like that, of this upcoming NBA draft, there are longer term plays but yeah, at least on the surface, I'm not loving it. It doesn't feel like you're loving it either. Right? No, not at all. I mean, but I am enjoying some of these big moves that are happening. I remember yesterday you said that you didn't think that it was going to be that no, exciting. I had a feeling that it was because we got something coming down the pipeline. I don't know when Fiddy is going to sound oh, okay. the hey, alert. Great tease. We'll be back with more information. 
Keep it right here. Wes and Walker, we're going to give you another NBA trade, according to Wes Bryant, according to sources on Twitter. <laughs> 92.7 WFNZ. We're back. Weston Walker, Sports Radio, 92.7 WFNZ. NBA trade deadline heating up, man. I'm sitting here refreshing my computer like every two seconds. This is ridiculous. It's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful yeah, thing. I'm sitting there just refresh, refresh, you, refresh. You feel annoyed by it. I embrace it. No, I do enjoy it, but I want something big to come down. So... To give people, we were talking about before the break, a big deal that may be about to happen to uh, one of our favorite teams on the set. They're talking about the Knicks and Bulls engaging in trade talks for Zach Levine. I've seen that it may be a Zach Levine for R.J. Barrett swap. Now, when it becomes official, official, Woj drops a bomb. Shawnee drops. I don't know what. Uh, there's been a lot of funny banter as well online uh, about these two and how they are battling with each other to report uh, the trades. Oh, first. yeah. Well, that that always happens, especially <laughs> on draft night, too. Are you someone that turns off the notifications and you don't I've pay started attention? to because I do not like when they leak the pick before the pick happens. Mm-hmm. Man. I'm. I'm I'm old school with that. I like to sit there and find out the pick as it's happening on my screen. I don't want to know five minutes before. I can't help it. I'm I'm like the kid that can't help but look at the tweets that are going to ruin the actual live draft mm. moment for me. And so I always pay attention. Real quickly, I did want to provide some clarity on the Charlotte Hornets trade updates. So here's what happened with the Charlotte Hornets as far as the Jalen McDaniels trade goes. The Hornets trade McDaniels. And a 2024 New York Knicks second round pick. And then they receive the more favorable. Now, this is tough. They receive the more favorable of an Atlanta, Charlotte, and Brooklyn second round pick Mm. via Philadelphia. And a 2027 more favorable second round pick via New Orleans, Portland. And that comes in from the Trailblazers. Plus, they get Mikhail Luke from New York. So basically still overall encompassing a couple of second round picks. They get the most favorable of those options though, from each of those teams outcomes. Don't know if that was easy to follow, try to make it that way, but still some pretty uh, hard details to clarify as we continue to update you on the McDaniels trade. Yeah. Then I see, they say golden state and Detroit are in conversations to trade Sadiq Bay. Uh, wow. Saying, okay. Yeah. They're saying James Wiseman. Uh, is probably going to be involved in this. That's another what a ho- bus he's turned out to be. That's another Hornets target that has always been talked about. Sadiq because Bay? No, a James oh, Wiseman. Wiseman yeah, 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 a lot yeah, of people yeah. have talked about James Wiseman possibly going to Charlotte. But now you got Mark Williams, and you finally invest in the center. Don't know if you'd be trading for James Wiseman. So could be a lot more like. You talked about how you thought it would be a pretty wild day. It's clearly already been a wild deadline. It Mm -hmm. started with Kyrie Irving, and then we wake up, and boom, we see the news that comes in um, from Kevin Durant. I thought it would happen during the offseason. That's what I thought. But they, these teams, they worked through the night, Wes, and, and they got a lot of these trades done. And we've been off and rolling here ever since uh, 12 o'clock. Here. I think we have the potential to have an epic NBA Finals. I think it's going to be two teams where the star power is going to be uh, Liddy, as they like to say uh, out here. So if we could... I guess we'll talk a little Panthers football for the time being until we until we get some breaking yeah, news. Until of we course. hear the alarm sounding, <laughs> but um, 
So talking about the Panthers, NFL draft, franchise quarterback, you see it all the time, but just wanted to really ponder and do a deep dive on if the Panthers were indeed able to secure a franchise quarterback. How long do you think it would take them to get back to the Super Bowl in your estimation? Do you think that they could do it inside of said rookie's contract when they have all that money sitting around at the bank? So if you think about a couple of these teams that have been to the Super Bowl after the second year of their young quarterback starting, you go back to Cincinnati just a couple of years ago where Cincinnati got to the Super Bowl with their number one overall selection playing in a second year, and they really took the league by storm. You go back to Kansas City, where Pat Mahomes did not start his first season, but then the second season that he started, right, third season overall, we saw Kansas City go to the Super Bowl, and eventually they would win that championship. But it doesn't happen in the second year for some of these young QBs, and it doesn't mean that those QBs aren't hits. I think Justin Herbert, absolutely a hit in the first round. Maybe people can differ on how much they value Justin Herbert, but still a hit with that sixth overall selection. Josh Allen. Took a little while to develop, Mm -hmm. but still a good quarterback. Maybe not top five, whatever, right? We can have all sorts of range of opinions on him. But Josh Allen is a hit as far as a first-round selection goes. But Buffalo has not been to a Super Bowl, and they have had the pieces, right? They actually gave a lot of weapons. They gave a lot of pieces defensively to Buffalo, Brandon Bean did, and they're still not there. So I think if you draft a quarterback— And you get your franchise guy. Let's say C.J. Stroud is there, whether you trade up for him or you select him at nine, whatever. And he's your pick and he hits. And it's like, okay, yeah, we got something here. We're cooking, you know, four years, three. I mean, you need some ample time to try to put weapons around him because right now you only have D.J. Moore that you truly trust. And that's Mm -hmm. about it. Offensive line, you're hoping to continue to shore that up as years go on defensively as well. But I would say what, like. Three, four years is when you're looking to be a contender as long as that franchise QB is indeed a franchise quarterback. I would say probably inside of four or five seasons, yes, before that deal is up, before he goes into that new money, uh, I would rock with that as well because the Panthers have shown a propensity uh, to get to the Super Bowl, meaning, well, I'll say propensity means they go there often, but they've been been there. there. Yeah, Yeah. they've been there a couple of times, so they've proven that they can get there. Uh, so I think that this could be uh, a free agent destination as far, especially if you get uh, the quarterback involved, you draft well. It takes a lot to go into that, though, as well. You have to have uh, the right system and find the right guys for it. Like I said, you don't necessarily need uh, super-duper star weapons, but if you can get some guys that fit into the system good, that play their roles really well, you hit on some rookies that end up being contributors, and then you may sign a guy or two, then I do think that uh, that you've got a shot. Uh, but we've seen a lot of these teams that are making it right now, especially the two Super Bowl teams, a lot of homegrown talent on those teams. Um, you know, you look at Philly, they draft Devontae Smith. You know, they, they draft Jalen Hurts. They draft Miles Sanders. So a lot of those guys that they have are homegrown guys. Well, Dallas Goddard, I believe, is a draft pick of yeah, theirs as well. Yeah, he is. No, and, and I believe he was like a second, third-round pick, something like that. He was in that uh, Hayden Hurst class, and mm-hmm. he was the second tight end taken. But you're right, Philadelphia – and you look at the Eagles. It's, it's a good example to bring up because they had to rebuild quickly. This is a team – that built themselves into a Super Bowl winner, (laughs) especially with Carson Wentz and Nick Foles as their quarterbacks. And Carson Wentz was a camouflaged hit. 
He turned out not to be, but he was for a while. And then Nick Foles is the guy that comes in and wins the Super Bowl. A little bit of an outlier there. We're talking about an all-time performance for a guy that would eventually not be wanted anywhere else. You know, not nearly as much. So they completely rebuild again. They take a flyer on Jalen Hurts. But because they hit on a QB, they're able to hit on everything else, right? You get your wide receiver. You eventually trade for A.J. Brown. The offensive line, that's still in shape. That's still working pretty well. And so here they are again within a five, six-year span. That's what's incredible. So Philadelphia is showing you, right? Like that is a timeline. If you get your quarterback, they've had Jalen Hurts. This is his third year in the league, if I'm not mistaken. If that's true, then we've seen teams get to the Super Bowl with QBs in their second or third year. It, it's It's been a nice uh, fast track for some of those teams that hit on the passer. Yeah, and I love the fact that, uh, you know, my Niners, uh, when they had Garoppolo on, on kind of a team-friendly deal, not too high. And then now you enter Brock Purdy. If he can bounce back from uh, this injury, which I think he will, then you will have him for a couple of years on very low rookie salaries. Well, yeah, very low. and, and But but it's not going to be as long as the first round. But I think his deal will be up quicker, for right. sure. So they'll have to pay him a well, little fast. But but this is this is the problem with San Francisco, though, too, right? Like, and, and this can be applied to Carolina if you're talking about taking a flyer on a QB later on in the draft. We can kind of look at San Francisco a little similar, not in team success whatsoever recently, but a little similar in the fact that San Francisco went after Jimmy Garoppolo at the time they gave him a lot of money compared to what other QBs were making. It was like $27 million. It's a lot of money at that time, but we see the market move ever so quickly year after year. Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, fine, right? Like, fine. They also draft Trey Lance. They trade up to go get him. Mm-hmm. And you do that. You, It's the Baltimore Ravens move at 32nd overall. You take your quarterback there because you have that fifth-year option that is valuable to holding on to him in that contract long-term. So now what's interesting is, do you like the control that you have over clearly a big-time talent in Trey Lance? Do you like that control? Or are you willing to pay Brock Purdy a good bit amount of money and not have as much control? And remember, that rookie-scale contract doesn't extend nearly as much. San Francisco is interesting. Yeah, he's got three more years left before he is an unrestricted free agent, and that's at $870,985 and $1.1 It's so minuscule. Now, I probably think, especially if he comes in and has a really great season next year, if he picks up where he left off, he's going to be probably soon holding out to get that uh, big payday. So, But going back to the Panthers – what is realistically a goal for next season? Uh, is it the playoffs? Is it 500? What is it? Part of this is hard to evaluate because the NFC South is so bad, but this is a team that has missed out on the playoffs for five straight seasons. And you're talking about the best years they've had. It came 2018 when they had the second half collapse after a 6-2 and two start, and it came in 2022 this past year where they go 7-10 and 10 after what was an awful start. In between, they had five wins every step of the way. I think you're looking for constant improvement from this squad. Mm-hmm. I'll give the Panthers credit. One, I've given Steve Wilkes a lot of credit for the job that he did with this team, but partly because they didn't squander the second half of the season. That's what I got tired of doing as a Panther fan, watching the last eight games, them just bleep the bed. I was tired of seeing that. And that didn't happen this past year. So I want that to continue. And I want them to at least be in the thick of the playoff run, right? The second or last week of the season. A lot of this is quarterback dependent. What do you do at the QB spot? I don't know. 
And a lot of that is is going to dictate how you view your goals for this year. But that's where I'm that's where I'm sitting right now, given everything that we know with the ninth overall selection and the other picks that you have in this draft. Yeah, I think the goal for this season, especially if this division doesn't get markedly better, it has to be to get to the playoffs. You almost did it uh, last year with a 500 finish down the stretch. So I think that unless teams go out and make some major moves in a lot of places, I think it has to be the playoffs for this team. They have to feel like with the coaches that they assemble, that they have assembled and will assemble, hopefully, uh, this is a team that's primed to take over this division, at least for next season. So I think the goal as it stands today until we see more would have to be the playoffs. But does it depend on the type of quarterback they get? And I guess we could go veteran or rookie or skill set of said rookie. Yeah, no, it does. It does depend on what type of quarterback they get because. All right, if they went out and got Derek Carr, what's the goal? Playoffs, for sure. Okay. Because why else would you go after them? Right. Right? Like, it has to be playoffs. And if you don't get it, then you probably consider it a failure if you go after Derek Carr and you don't reach that. C.J. Stroud. But if you get C.J. Stroud, I think that's lofty goals. I mean, think about the other teams that are awarded a grace period with some of those QBs that are a higher prospect than C.J. Stroud. I just talked about Joe Burrow, right? He got injured. But even before he got injured, it's not like you expected Cincinnati to reach the playoffs. Pat Mahomes, a little bit of a different situation because you did the whole sit a year and then come in and play thing. But Justin Herbert, the Chargers have talent there. And the Chargers didn't make the playoffs the first year that Justin Herbert actually got going a little bit. So, no, I would not put the only way to have a successful season or the goal for Carolina, if you will, to be a playoff season. I would say, okay, let's see if C.J. Stroud can be that guy. Do we feel good about him? And then the second year, the third year, let's start cooking, get to the postseason, and then see how close we can get to a Super Bowl. Anthony Richardson. Oh, man, big time. At that point, you're getting another QB to help you, right? Like, Anthony Richardson is one of those QBs where I don't know if throwing him in the fire immediately is best for him. And that comes down to whatever the philosophy is for the GM and the head coach. Marty Herney used to talk about this. Marty Herney liked throwing the quarterback in the fire so he would learn. Because he would say, hey, you can only learn about the quarterback when he's under the bright lights. In practice, training camp, doesn't matter, right? Like, not not as much as evaluating, right? It only matters so much, I should say. You can only find out what he's about if you put him under the bright lights. And so, you know, Cam Newton starts immediately number one overall pick. That makes sense. But if you had number nine with Anthony Richardson, that's a guy that everybody agrees is a big-time project. So, yeah, it can't be playoffs with Anthony Richardson. You're just hoping for him to be playing better at the end of the season. If he comes in like week seven, eight, nine, you're hoping that you see some nice flashes. Maybe Justin Fields-type flashes and then second year. But, yeah, it can't be playoff. Will Levis. Okay, we're just going down the list. That's it. This is the last one. Very similar, <laughs> right? Very similar to Anthony Richardson. Yeah. The, the, the difference with Levis, I guess, is that you had good tape the year prior. This year it was very bad. The offensive line was horrible. You lose a guy like Wandale Robinson. It's a big deal. You know, you lose some weapons, and Kentucky didn't replace those guys. But you're still along the same lines. If you're talking about projects, I think – Project 1A, as far as how long it might take for him to get used to the NFL game, it's Anthony Richardson. It was a bad season for him. And then Will Levis, same thing, but at least we have pretty good tape the year prior. So Will Levis would be another project, but it would be along the same lines as Anthony Richardson. I think really, and again, it just depends on what everybody else does. I think Levis, Richardson, I think the goal would be to 
see progress from those guys because I think at that point you would probably have to re-sign Sam Darnold, see what he could do. I think if you get C.J. Stroud, I think he's the benchmark for you you could have a chance to make the playoffs. If you get a, if you go out and get a high-priced veteran and it's got to be playoffs, I think C.J. Stroud, you could somewhat expect that. Um, but I, now, with that said, I think with Ricky or Young Guy, the record's not going to be sterling. It's going to be a dirty playoff run like it was this year where you're barely getting in, you're barely over 500 or barely under 500 to get there. Yeah, I think I think that's probably right. A dirty playoff run. Well, C.J. Stroud would give you dirty. Again, <laughs> you would get a grace period with him. <laughs> I mean, if you didn't reach the playoffs, then you wouldn't be angry because the fact that you would be in the race, be like, okay, like we we got something here. Look, Carolina, as weird as it might seem to hear or say, they've had some decent quarterback history yeah. until Cam Newton was gone. You know, it, it and after that, it's been awful. You're talking about Kyle Allen, Sam Darnold, Teddy Bridgewater. It's been rough. But before that, a lot of Cam Newton, Jake DeLome comes in and, you know, plays better than anybody would have expected. And so we want to get back to those days very quickly. And so if C.J. Stroud gave you something to hope for and you didn't make the playoffs, but you got close, you were in the hunt at the end of the season and you could see the other puzzle pieces coming together allocated resources elsewhere, yeah, I'd feel very good about that year. Okay. Well, I know somebody that does really enjoy Dirty, and that is Fitty. Yeah, Dirty Fitty. what he's got for the flash. I think that's an MC name. If he would become a rapper, Dirty Fitty, <laughs> Yeah, that would work. Uh, well, before I tell you my news update, let me tell you about our Super Bowl party on Sunday. Okay. The big game is here, and it's time to party with your friends at Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Join Travis T-Bone Hancock from the Mac and, Bone Show, uh, uh, Mac and Bone Show along with me and Flounder this Sunday for our big game viewing party at Carolina Ale House, the South Charlotte location at 7404 Waverly Walk Avenue. We'll start the party at 5.30 p.m. The game starts at 6.30 on over 50 TVs with fresh award-winning wings and beer, plus big game drink specials. We'll have tickets, giveaways, and one lucky WFNZ listener will win a brand-new big-screen TV courtesy of Planet Kia. So join us this Sunday, February 12th, for the big game viewing party at the Carolina Ale House, the Waverly location, only from Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ, the exclusive home of the Charlotte sports fan. And my news update is this, guys. Mason Plumley has tweeted the praying hands emoji. Yeah, it's a great point because Mason loved Jalen McDaniels. He talked about how much he respected his game. He would speak about that after the season and media availability. So I'm not surprised to see that. And speaking of Mason Plumley, and now the former Charlotte Hornet Jalen McDaniels, I did want to give away some Charlotte Hornets tickets, and I wanted to give those away right now. So if you call in and you're the third caller at 704-570-9610, we will give away two Hornets tickets at the Spectrum Center against the Denver Nuggets. So you get to see possible three-time MVP when it's all said and done. Nikola Jokic coming to town. The Charlotte Hornets against Denver February 9th. That is tonight. One, uh, we'll be giving away those tickets. Uh, or excuse me, it's not tonight's game. I'm sorry. But we're giving those away right now. 704-570-9610. Two tickets to see the Hornets and the Denver Nuggets play. We appreciate you joining us on Weston Walker. Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. Fire or fizzle. It's coming up next. Stay right here.
Carson Walker back on Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ. We appreciate everybody calling in. A big shout to Jeff, who won those tickets. He'll be seeing the Charlotte Hornets play the Denver Nuggets. Uh, We'll be giving away tickets as the weeks go on. Um, No more today, but we do appreciate Jeff for calling in again. 704-570-9610. That is also the Garage Door Guru text line. All right, but now it's everybody's favorite, everybody's favorite segment. We're going to take a little bit of a break from the NBA trade deadline news, and we're going to go to fire or fizzle, which is back. And because LeBron James just had a historic night on Tuesday where he set the NBA's all-time scoring record, beating Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, they stopped the game for Kareem to hand it over to LeBron as the new all-time scoring leader in the NBA. We're doing all-time sports records. Wes Emmett Smith's rushing title. Is that title a fire record or a fizzle record? A lot has been made of Mr. Emmett Smith, especially by ones on this same show. Look at me. That man's been the man since he stepped on a football field as a young tyke. Set records in the state of Florida at the University of Florida. And then he went to the NFL and got the record. 1,800,355 yards. 18,355 yards to be exact. Broke the record of one sweetness. He didn't quit. He didn't leave because his team wasn't winning. He stayed and played the game. Shots fired. I'm All gonna, shots I'm fired. Throw up. He eclipsed 1,200 plus rushing yards seven times. 11 straight 1,000-yard campaigns and rushed for at least 900 in three of his final four seasons before retiring at 35 years old. Emmett Smith, the running back that everybody likes to disrespect, his record, breaking Sweetness's all-time NFL rushing record, is straight fire. It's hard for me to give a Cowboy credit, but I'm going to give it up right here. Weird that you decided to give him credit. All right, next one. LeBron James, we just saw it. The all-time scoring record. Wes, you tell us, are you going to christen this by calling it fire, or are you going to disrespect it by calling it fizzle? Well, we're talking about LeBron James. I've had a long story career with him. Started out as a fan, and then there were little things that just trickled and trickled and trickled that turned me into not a fan of his. This was a record I didn't think was going to be broken. This was a record that I think, in my estimation, is the record. Because when we play basketball, we all want to get buckets. Rebounds, defense, all that stuff is fine and dandy. But the main objective is to put the basketball into the rim and get back down court and get ready for defense. And he has done that more than any player in NBA history. So for that... LeBron James breaking the all-time NBA scoring record held by one Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, a.k.a. Lou Alcindor, a.k.a. I wish I knew what his name was in the game of death with Bruce Lee, but I don't know it. So anyway, LeBron James (laughs) breaking that record is straight fire. It is hard for me to give it up to LeBron, but I'm going to give it up right here. Simone Biles. Having won 25 world championship medals, the most decorated gymnast in the history of the gymnastics world championships, prolific Olympian as well. Wes, I ask you, Simone Biles, fire or fizzle? 
I mean, listen, she owns the most world medals in U.S. history, the most world championship gold medals of any female gymnast, 19 world gymnastics gold medals, okay? The next most decorated gymnast in terms of gold medals has nine. No other active women's gymnast even has two because Simone Biles is out here blocking your opportunities to win anything out there. You watch the Olympics. Even if you are not a fan of their acrobatics, you wanted to see Simone by. You wanted to see what is she going to do next? What medal is she going to bite in those teeth? So for Simone Biles, breaking the gold medal record, being the absolute GOAT of women's gymnastics, it is straight fire. Give it up to another queen, Simone. I didn't know how you were going to go fizzle there. I expected fire, and I'm glad I got it. Another prolific Olympian, Michael Phelps, giving us one of the all-time hype moments, touching the board at the very end or allowing U.S., Team U.S. in the relay to touch the board at the end. Is it fire or fizzle, Wes? You tell me. Listen, when we talk about the Beijing Olympics 2008, the man won eight gold medals in a single Olympics. There are Olympians who try. There are Olympians who go out and train every day and don't come out of there with anything. You looked me in the eyes when you said that. They don't get one. They don't get two. This man went in one gold, uh, one Olympics and got eight of them things. He's won the highest number of medals in the entire Olympics. 28 medals across five summer games. 23 gold medals to be exact. The most gold medals ever won. So for that, Michael Phelps and his just barrage on the Olympics, over five of them things, is straight fire. Give it up. I still need to learn swimming lessons. (laughs) Oh, judge me. Why did you say that with so much hype? Because the man's the greatest swimmer that ever got in the water, and I can't. Uh, it's a lot of swimming blingies. Right. I cannot. Okay, bike people, don't, you know, we don't go to the ocean like that and go out all deep and swimming and all that. And we talked about my jaws phobia and stuff, so I don't need to swim so 6'4". Yeah, you can just stand up. Hey, this is how you swim. Stand up. That's how you swim. <laughs> all right, last one, Wes. You say oh, yeah. Bolt. Oh, yeah. We haven't heard a fizzle yet. Oh, yeah. Is Bolt getting the first fizzle today? Usain Bolt. This man made the Olympics worth watching. You didn't even want to see the replay. You wanted to see it live. But then he also did it up at the World Championships where he set the 100-meter record that I don't think will be broken. 9.58. Let me put that in perspective for you, okay? His average ground speed was 37.58 kilometers. He reached the top speed of 44.72 kilometers, which, to break it down for you, 27 miles per hour. That's faster than some of you guys drive on a freeway. Then he followed that up in the World Championships again, 19.19 in the 200 meters. He had records in the 4x1, 4x2. This man was just must-see TV for about a four or five-year span. Now, I think he did two Olympics, so about eight or nine. You tell me. Regardless, 
when you talk about Usain Bolt breaking records, the 958, the 19.19, the lightning bolt celebration, one of the greatest to ever be done by an athlete. Usain Bolt is straight fire, more fire, bolt, bolt, bolt. All right, that'll shout out to Jamaica. All fire edition of Fire Official. It's just going to be the fire <laughs> So it's chaotic. I can't handle it. <laughs> Finny, what is it? Tell me, please, hit me. We got two trades back to back one from Woj, one from Shams. First one from Woj. The Nuggets are trading Bones Highland mm. to the Los Angeles Clippers. And the ones from uh, Mr. Shams, the Oklahoma City Thunder, the team that beat LeBron James on his record-setting night, they are trading Darius Baisley to the Phoenix Suns for Dario Saric and a second-round pick. All right. I don't know if we got another thing coming up on the other side of the break, but there is a lot of fire. There's a lot of trades. There's a lot of chaos. Stick with us, if you will. One more hour to go before the trade deadline ends. We'll keep you updated on Weston Walker Sports Radio 92.7 WFNZ.